Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and you're all around hiring guru. And it is my pleasure to bring to you thought leaders and amazing people with amazing advice every single week. And today is no different. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Jones Laughlin, keynote speaker, author, and coach. For over 27 years, Jones' passion has been to teach, train, and coach people to make life-giving choices with their time so they can achieve a level of success they never dreamed plausible. Possible, sorry. That's exactly what I want to do is achieve that kind of success. He shares his insights and strategies through on-site and virtual keynotes, training, and coaching programs, and online courses. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jones. Oh, one honor, Casey. I love the work that uh, your organization does and getting the right candidates, helping those candidates be well prepared. So I'm uh, looking forward to sharing any thoughts I have that might be of value to either either side of the equation, I guess uh, we would say today. I love that. So real quickly, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I do like to make those connections with how we got connected. And I was kind of trying to go back through my timeline on the two of us and I couldn't find a clear path on how we got connected. Well, I was hoping you could tell me because I don't know either. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is insane. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I I just, I, it may have been through uh, a website that, that lists people for podcasts or something. I'm not sure how we found each other, Casey. I don't think so because I don't usually go to those websites because I okay. usually have enough okay. guests referred to me. So you were absolutely yeah. referred yeah. to me by somebody. Oh. I just can't remember oh. who. Well, I will, we'll have to find out because I need to go thank them. So. Absolutely. If you find that trail, you let me know because I'm usually, I'm going to say this is probably the first time on this podcast that I'm like, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Wow. And this is that episode is 174. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to make sure that a wild card looks good for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your experience in public speaking, writing, coaching. Sure. How did you get to where you are today? Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, my back background is education. And so I have to credit that for getting me started into making presentations, if you will. And so uh, 1994, I left education and went into training and development. Uh, and since that time, the business has, has grown uh, from that into to uh, being an author and then eventually into coaching. Uh, and it's really been interesting how there's just kind of been seasons in my career, you know, where I'd been a keynote speaker long enough that I felt like I had something to offer to people in written form. Uh, and so a book came about. And then in 2000, I guess it was 17, I, I felt the need to better serve my clients and to also reach out to others. And that's when I got certified to be a coach uh, so that I could be more effective in that role. So I think each season or each iteration of my career has been going, okay, how can I better serve uh, my clients, both current and future, and then figuring out what that looks like. I, I think that's beautiful. Now, you said that you got certified in coaching. Now, where did you get certified? 
Sure. I was certified, um, of course, through ICF, but the, the program is called Coactive Coaching, Coaching uh, Trainers Institute. Fabulous program. I can't say enough great things about it. Uh, for lots of reasons, but one of them is that they really help you focus on coaching uh, the whole person. Um, there, so often, you know, people say I'm a, a time management coach or I'm a performance coach, and and certainly there is the place for for niche coaching. However, I find that you know you got to look at the whole person, mm -hmm. and you because sometimes maybe if they want to improve at work. It has their, their challenges have nothing to do with, OK, what's the next productivity skill you need to, to do or how do you need to focus better? But it's are you taking care of yourself? Uh, are you clear on your purpose? Are you investing in relationships that feed you and help you to be at your best so that when you go to work, you can deliver your best work? Um, so that's one of the things I really liked about the program. I love that. And I love the fact that you pointed out that it was ICF accredited, because I think that's really important when you're looking for a coach. Not that there aren't coaches out there that don't need certification, sure. but if you're looking for a certified coach, it's just um, the ICF is like the pinnacle of accreditation yeah. for coaches. And I mean, I would certainly, if I was looking for a new coach, would want one that's ICF certified. Sure, absolutely. And it's similar to um, a candidate search, right? Uh, there are certain things that maybe you want to make sure a candidate has before you look at other elements of whether they're going to be a good fit for your organization. So I think you're right. It's the same. Same is true with coaching. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the topics that you talk about leadership development and change management, that's mm -hmm. one of the presentations that you give frequently. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and just kind of moving away from that coaching place, because I really want to talk about your change management speech. What are some of the pain points companies face when it comes to change management? Sure. We're seeing a lot of that today. Oh, aren't we though? Uh, so much disruption in the workplace and changes and, and, and what's going on. You know, I think Someone once said, and I, I know it's in a book somewhere, so I apologize for not being able to quote it, but you know that when it comes to change, there's the organization and there's the organism. You know, mm -hmm. there's the there's the strategy, the the five year plan to get to certain revenue levels or grow to a certain percent. Uh, but then there's also the people who are going to make that happen. And I think so often organizations don't invest enough time in understanding where their people are, giving them opportunity to to talk about the change, uh, how they feel about it, and and to you know just have a voice. And it doesn't mean the the company or the organization is going to change direction with the change, but just people want to be seen, heard, and understood. And I think in for an organization, any change process, if they can say, were the people who are going to be affected seen. You know, they, we, we acknowledge their pain, their frustration. Were they heard? Did we give them avenues to talk about what they were experiencing and what they saw? And were they understood? Did we make an attempt to address their concerns? Then I think organizations have a much better start to that, that change process. Um, the other thing I think is just re being very transparent uh, with people about what work's going to look like once the change begins to take effect. Uh, when you there's an old saying that when you don't know the truth, you make it up. And so if you're not telling people what you know to expect, you, now, again, the organization can't outline all 15 steps and know how everything's going to turn out. But if they can say, okay, this is where we're going. This is what we know. When we get to this point, we'll evaluate in this way and then we'll continue, um, you know, or make changes as appropriate. Uh, I think people just, they, they feel more secure in going into an uncomfortable season if organizations do things like that. 
I, I think that's so important what you just said about giving enough information so that people don't try to fill in the gaps, right? <laughs> I mean, we do that yes. even just yeah. not at work, but in life, if we don't have all that information, we start filling in those blanks with stuff mm -hmm. that's probably not real, which can be a yeah. real mind. Um, it can, what, I'm trying to think of the word I want to look for. That's not ugly, <laughs> but it can really mess with your head when you're coming up with all yeah. the scenarios and having that inner mm -hmm. chatter. That's not real. So I love what you said about that and just kind of bringing that to the forefront. And, you know, not only the people that are working for management, but management, you know, you think that your people just by osmosis get that information and they don't, you yeah. need to be able to communicate that. So they're not filling in the blanks. Exactly. And you got to say it over and over again in different ways. Um, you know, it, teaching, as you said, manage, teaching managers, the, what are the key points? What are the talking points that you need to be proactively talking about with your team and reiterating and bringing up? Um, what is this? Uh, we hear sometimes that it takes seven times for an idea to, to catch on or for somebody to begin to understand something. And so just when you think you're tired of talking about it in a certain way, that's probably when people are just beginning to get mm -hmm. what it is you're trying to get across to them. What do you see as some of the trends that are going on right now when it comes to change management with what we've experienced over the last two years? I mean, can, mm -hmm. does anything come like boom? You know, I, one of the biggest ones, I think, is helping managers understand and getting them to change their mindset about productivity of their, of their, their team, of their team members. It's... We thought we, uh, you know, the pandemic had taught us, you know, focus on outcomes, not hours. And, but a lot of times we didn't, you know, it would, that's why we had an, an inordinate amount, a number of video meetings and calls is because managers were afraid their people weren't being as productive as they should be. And so their answer sometimes was to micromanage. And so one of the changes I think we're seeing now that I, I'm excited about in the workplace is that we're really getting serious about helping people understand what are the outcomes of the work you're going to be doing? What does that look like? What are the timelines? And getting crystal clear on that so that whether that person is working right next to you or thousands of miles away, there's clarity. And, and the, the manager, the leader, the department head can communicate more effectively with that team member because there are clear expectations and there are clear outcomes um, that have been identified. You know, I think that's so interesting, and I talk about VIP quite a bit, not only because they are our sponsor here for the We Are VIP podcast, but I live that life every single day in the office with the company. And I think one of the most amazing things about VIP is that they're doing exactly the right thing, like what you just said. They're focusing on the outcomes. So we all have goals. We all have, you know, um, outcomes that we need to hit. And how you get there Nobody cares. We have one girl that works from like six o'clock in the evening till three yes. o'clock in the morning. Nobody cares because she gets her job done. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we have people that will come in at seven and leave at 12, but mm -hmm. they're our top billers. So nobody mm -hmm. cares. And, and that's where yeah. I think when you get into that minutia, when you start saying, oh, but you're supposed to work this number of hours regardless, because if you can do this in that amount of time, then you can do this in that amount of time, but that's not their productive time. Right. And right. I think it's so important that you recognize that. Yeah. And, and, and 
as you know, again, you're at the front line and your company is as well, is that organizations have to embrace that as a culture of their organization if they're going to attract and retain the best talent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in our current market, that's, you know, they have to be willing to say, okay, here's what we're looking for. As you said, how you get it done is up to you. Um, we just want to accomplish these outcomes for your, for your role in the organization. Well, and I think that leads in well to my next question, because what are some practices you feel help with time management? I mean, it seems like we've kind of got it figured out where we're at, but not everybody does. So what do you think? <laughs> I have to correct you on one thing, Casey. What's that? Uh, I, I tell my audiences that I don't have it all figured out with time management. And when I do, I'll be dead and it won't matter. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I might be a little more, I might be a little more effective than others, but I still have the same struggles that a lot of people have, maybe just not as frequently uh, as some. I, to me, the key with time management, uh, the heart and soul of that is getting people to stop long enough to be willing to ask themselves the question, what do I want from this day or from this week? And go back to outcomes. Just like we talked about outcomes a moment ago, people stopping to say, what do I want from this day? And then lining up or planning their day to hopefully get closer to those outcomes. Um, I am amazed at the number of people that I work with, uh, uh, whether coaching or at audiences, who, who start their day by looking at their phone. You know, and then what's the what's the biggest urgency that shows up there? Or, you know, I'm going on social media just to kind of check and make sure the world didn't fall apart, uh, which sometimes social media tells us the world is falling apart. But, you know, it's that it, it they're they're starting their day reactively and they're allowing others priorities to begin to plan their day for mm -hmm. them, if not physically, at least mentally. I mean, who has ever started their day, you know, looking at social media for 15 minutes and then um, put their phone out. Wow, I feel so much better. I feel ready to take on the day now that I've been on social media. So I think the primary component there is planning your day, starting, you know, thinking about what do you want from that day. Um, and then I think it begins, you know, by the, some of those basic tenets of, of beginning to say, what's my discretionary time? You know, where, where can I do those things in my day that when I go home tonight, I will say, wow, I feel like I invested my time well today. Um, I think that's a second component. And, and a third one, going back to the morning uh, aspect, I think the, the morning hour, is, the first hour of the day is just enormously critical. And there are all kinds of books that have been written about that. But I know for me, what I do in that first hour just completely impacts the success I'm going to have that day. Oh, I could not agree with you more. Anybody that's listened to maybe two of these podcasts with <laughs> We Are VIP knows I'm a huge morning miracle person. And the first hour, I tell people all the time, they're like, well, can you do this? And I'm like, no, that is my time. I have a hard boundary around mm -hmm. that hour because I need that to do my meditation, to do my journal, to do my yep. reading that I want to do that fulfills me. So I totally understand. And I will not check my phone. People know, I mean, I have my do not disturb on and do not check my phone until after I've completed yep. my miracle morning. So I am with Absolutely. you 100% on that. <laughs> that is awesome. So let's kind of shift to the leadership skills. Okay. Sure. So what are some of the benefits of practicing those leadership skills and who can benefit from leadership skills? 
Yeah, well, the easy answer on on who can benefit from leadership skills, of course, is is everyone. I mean, it's whether you are um, whether it's for your family, um, you know, so you can be a better significant other or life partner or be a better parent to your children. There are so many things related to leadership that can help you to be more effective. Um, who doesn't need to be a better listener? Uh, who doesn't need to 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 be able to coach their um, others? You know, whether it's again from a parent standpoint or in a professional aspect. So I think anybody can benefit from studying about leadership uh, in that way. Now I think you also ask about you know the benefits. It's a benefit outside your own area, but I I think especially for those who are younger, uh, whatever younger is. I used to think 50 uh, was old, but now I think 50 is younger because I'm 56. Um, but um, 30. <laughs> amen. I gotta <laughs> love it. Um, you just never know when you may get an opportunity to advance in an organization. Uh, something may happen or an opportunity may show up. And if you've been practicing those leadership skills, even if you're at the individual contributor level, I mean, again, who who doesn't benefit from you know listening more deeply uh giving you know clear communication planning your day effectively all those things that we know that effective leaders do doing that even if you don't have a group of people you're responsible for is going to put you in a position so that when that next job opens up or something you know you get the opportunity over here you've practiced those skills that you can now immediately put into action instead of jumping into the role and going Oh no, how do I do this? Um, you know, so I think there's a multitude of reasons that it's beneficial. You know, I think one thing that's so interesting, and I hope that people will find in their area some organization similar to this is, you know, I support a group, um, it's a subgroup of a larger organization, but it's called the Young Executives. <clears throat> and in this Young Executives program, we're putting them on a board for the program. And we're teaching them. And even though we're kind of sitting up here, we're like, yep, yep. maybe don't do that. Maybe do that. You know, mm -hmm. but we're letting them lead the cause and lead the charge. And I think that it has yeah. been, I, I really feel like, and this is a group of probably 24 to 32 year olds, young mm -hmm. professionals, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to give them a great advantage in their careers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because what is that? What's the phrase? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Mm, yes. And, and, and so going ahead and preparing them before they're in the role is going to just accelerate their success once they're in the role and, and, and what you're doing, putting them in a low risk environment. I mean, that's what um, that's what I often tell uh, people who I'm coaching who are very young in their 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 career is that go find a place to practice. I don't I don't care whether it's coaching a, a, a child soccer team, whether it's something in a local civic organization that's that other people are always looking for team leaders or people to manage something and go do that uh, when it's such low risk and make your mistakes there so that when you are leading a team that's responsible for rolling out a multi-million dollar project, you don't have to make mistakes that could be fatal to the, to the team. You're instead, you know, being very successful. You know, I never really thought about that as being low risk for them, but you're right. It's like a practice field for them to, you're, you are so exactly right. I, 
you, sometimes you do things and you don't know why they work. And then somebody says <laughs> why they work and you're like, oh, that's exactly what I meant. You know? Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, oops. Dumb lucked into that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's and, and, and it is amazing. I mean, there's lots of things that all of us do that kind of fall in that category. But it is. I love the idea of lead, people who want to be leaders saying what is a low risk environment, for example, in organizations that have um, um, community initiatives, uh, mm -hmm. you know, being being willing to raise your hand, and say, you know, I'll organize that uh, I'll, that drive or that work we're going to do with this particular, you know, um, uh, at risk group or something. It's just wonderful opportunities to, uh, to practice and not that you're not gonna do a good job at it, but it's a chance for you to practice those skills, see what works, hold on to what's valuable and use it at another time. I love that. So, you know, this is a show about helping the job seekers. So let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about those job hunters. How can they maintain their motivation and avoid becoming complacent when they're looking for a new position? Any thoughts on that? Oh, it is such an emotional process, isn't it, Casey, as far as looking for a job and, and emotions are so dangerous, mm -hmm. aren't they? Because I feel like doing this or I don't feel like doing that. I think one of the key things for any job seeker is to come up with a plan that has a process to it that you are going to check, check the boxes every day, uh, whether it's add five LinkedIn connections, fill out this job application. I would, uh, you know, have a process that takes the emotion out of it. Because if you, if you rely on emotion, some days you may really go after it and some days you may not. And so I think that, that having a, a non-emotional process that you're going to follow helps kind of even out those, those uh, rough edges. A second piece is I think, finding someone who will be, you know, your cheerleader, your encourager, uh, and also your accountability person to ask if you've done those things is really key uh, in the process uh, to keep people, you know, motivated and, and, and moving forward. A third thing, going back to what I kind of mentioned earlier about volunteering or something, but find something worthwhile to do while you're doing the worthwhile task of looking for work. Uh, you know, find something that fulfills you. Don't, if you've got all of your hopes focused on getting the perfect job, that's 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 huge. That's a lot of pressure. Um, and so find something that you can win at. I hate to say it, but find something you can win at while you might be losing in the job search for the moment. You know, um, find something that you can put your head down. Like, you know what? I did this today. And there there are so many opportunities for people to do that. Um, to, to find something to win at while you're you're going through this process. So those are some suggestions I would have. Um, and I know for me, I, I tell people I've been unemployed uh, off and on for 28 years uh, because, you know, I have seasons where business is really good. And I have seasons where I'm going, hmm, okay. Um, and so for me, I have to revert back to that process to take the emotion out of it and to get the results that I'm looking for. I love that. And I love what you just said about find something that gives you joy and peace because, you know, when I, um, I, when I was in accounting and I'd been with my company for 13 years, when I, when the company closed, it took me six months to find another job It's mm -hmm. the longest I've been unemployed since I was 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. It, it was, wow. it was very, mm -hmm. very difficult to deal with. But one of the things I started doing during that time was I started doing meals on wills. And oh. 
Yeah. Love that. And it was very fulfilling and it really gave me purpose to, because I mean, you can only get up and send in so many resumes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so the rest of the day you're sitting there going, oh my God, I don't have a job. You know, I'm a single mom, all that kind of stuff. And so, but it was really helpful to me to get out and serve others who were less fortunate than I was. Yeah. So I totally agree with what you just said there. (laughs) Totally agree. Um, So let's talk about your shirt for a second. Ah, there's, there's is. Okay. (laughs) Juggling Juggling elephants. elephants. Tell me about this. Sure. Jungle Elephants is one of the books that I have co-authored, and it's about managing your work and life like it's a circus. And we're trying to get everything done. It's like juggling elephants. It's heavy. It's dangerous. Things crash down on us. And you would never see the juggling elephants act in the circus because they knew it wouldn't work. And neither does trying to get everything done. So the book looks at strategies on how to better manage your work in life. And of course, it uses the circus analogies. The, the heart and soul of it is, is the three rings. And we suggest that, that everyone uh, in your listening audience uh, has three rings to their life. And uh, it's a work ring, a self ring, and a relationship ring. And and what does the circus teach us? You got to have quality acts in all three rings, um, and and so it's it's really it's really uh, illuminating to a lot of people to go, yeah, I really focus a lot on the work ring, but I'm not focusing as much on taking care of myself or building strong relationships. And when they see the tent over those three rings, they go. Oh yeah. So if I'm not doing what I should be doing in my self ring, it's going to impact my performance in my work ring. Yeah. You know, and so there's some other strategies related to the book, but that's kind of the crux of it is how to manage that struggle of too much to do more effectively. So you've written two books, right? Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to write those two books? Because I've been trying to get a book out for two and a half years. And let me tell you, sometimes I just want to cry. Yeah, well, Casey, I am sure by the fact that you said that you're going to have your inbox full of people who will do ghostwriting for you when this episode is over <laughs> or after this episode airs, because there's lots of those folks out there and I see them on LinkedIn. Um, you know, for me, both books have have grown out of a personal desire to share what I've learned with other people. Uh, Juggling Elephants came uh at a time in my life when I had uh, a young daughter, my business, I, you know, was growing very quickly, and I was just trying to figure out how to manage all the stuff going on in my life. And Todd Music, my co-author, was in a similar situation, and and so once we saw that this model worked, we wanted to offer that to other people to help them to. Um, you know, get more of the most important things done. Uh, always growing uh, about leadership and leading like a gardener um, grew out of me working with so many organizations and the people in them seeing the, the their goal as a leader is fixing problems. And that's a very limiting view of leadership. Uh, leadership is about growing yourself, your team and your organization. And so I applied principles that I had uh, uh, seen in organizations that were successful and used the analogy of a gardener uh, to give people those strategies so that they could become more effective leaders. So both books have grown out of a personal desire to share what I've learned um, with a larger audience. I love that. So what is one piece of advice that you would want to share with our audience that you feel like has really impacted your trajectory? 
Mm, I, I got to give you two. I'm sorry, okay. Casey, uh, but I got to do it. I'll do them quickly. Uh, number one, um, when my wife, Lisa, and I uh, got married, somebody gave us the advice that we should live on one income and put away the other one. That advice was revolutionary because imagine a few years later when I go to my wife, Lisa, and I say, Lisa, I want to leave a very comfortable teaching profession and I want to move into this season of training and development and I'm going to start out on my own. And, you know, she didn't look at me and go, ah, we're going to, you know, uh, we're going to be broke in six months. We had saved up enough that there was a cushion there while I was developing my business. And I think that was just revolutionary because it, it gave us the confidence and the time for me to develop, uh, you know, my dream of entrepreneurship and to move forward. The second one would be a book. And that book is Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson. Um, I, the, someone handed me the book at a critical time in my life and I read it and I went, wow. And it just, it, I think really, for, especially for job seekers, uh, you know, people, you know, looking for, for work and going through life transitions, just reading that book and understanding what your perspective is and how it might be limiting your success, or it might be affirming that you're on the right path. It's just such an essential piece of wisdom that I, I pick up the book and I read it uh, at least once a year. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I love that one income. That's yeah. something a lot of people, I, I know I never thought about doing, you know, trying to live off mm. one income. So yeah. that, that's really good. Okay. So now let's get to our VIP questions. Are you ready? <gasps> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Don't panic. They're not that hard. Um, so if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Hmm. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'd bring my wife. No question. Uh, she's an adventurer. She loves exploring new things. She would absolutely just just love it uh, in that sense. And I, you know, I, I would really say this is going to sound maybe strange, which is a strange question. Is I would I would bring a a young couple um, who is kind of just starting out in life um, because you know if you're going to colonize Mars, you want people who are going to colonize it with children. Uh, but what a cool adventure for two people who are just beginning to do life together, um, to be able to explore and learn and grow. And um, uh, so, yeah, that, that's my quick answer to that question is my wife and then a young couple who could uh, just really embrace the unknown uh, on Mars. And hope they really like each other when they get there. There's no going back. <laughs> Yeah, if you, if you let me take four, I take Dr. Feel as the fourth one so he can mediate between the two of them. There you go. Could be definitely necessary. Okay, so what's one thing you do each morning? And we know one thing you don't do, but what's one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Yeah, we've already talked about it, Casey. It's that me time in the morning. Um, I, I like an hour. I'm like you, uh, I have a minimum of 30 minutes. I mean, there, there are occasional days where just something happens and I have to give up 30 minutes or I'm not willing to get up early enough to get that other 30, but, yeah. but just 30 minutes of time for myself, uh, just completely sets my day up for success uh, versus just rushing into the day and attacking the first item. You know, there's one day a month that I just cannot get up early enough to get my hour in or even 30 <laughs> minutes because I have such an early time commitment. Just one yeah. day a month. And I feel so thrown off that entire day. Mm. It's, it's really Wow. Hard. Isn't that something? Oh, yeah. that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Okay. 
So if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? My life's work was being summarized in an article. What would the headline be? Um, I would say it would be helping others thrive one choice at a time. Mm. Um, that would be what I would say because my, my whole life's work has been dedicated to helping people make better choices, the, the small choices. Uh, because I really believe if you continue to make the small choices consistently, uh, it's going to have a big impact on your life. And and people feel so overwhelmed when their life isn't where they want it to be or their career isn't where they want it to be. And they think they've got to make this monumental leap uh, when I believe the reality is you got to start by saying, okay, what's, what's a small choice you can make to improve your situation? It's within your ability to control. Take that step. Okay. Now, what's the next one to take? Uh, so that would be it. Uh, helping others thrive one choice at a time. I love it. You know, I'm a big choice girl myself. I, lo <laughs> I love it because I believe everybody's at choice, right? That yes, you yes your own absolutely. Reality with every choice that you mm -hmm. make. So I'm big, big believer in that. So how do people <laughs> find you? I know they're going to want to hear more about what you have to say. And probably get your well book. thank you well thank you casey of course joneslaughlin.com i know you'll you'll have access to that in uh in the notes uh but joneslaughlin.com is the place to start for all information about me you can also pick up my books at um, amazon um, anywhere books are sold you'll find copies of those of course, I'm active on social media. The most active place I am on social media is LinkedIn. I uh, would love the opportunity to connect with any of your listeners there. I, that's where I put out a lot of my content related to time management, leadership development. So LinkedIn is a place uh, that they can find me as well. Well, I know I'm connected to you and I follow your content all the time. So I really appreciate that because I know it takes a lot of time to put that stuff out there too because I do not do that as often as I would like to. So, oh, but anyway, well, we, we all find our place. You we know? do. Uh, we're, all, we're all at choice. We are at choice. <laughs> and I choose to sleep instead of do social media. <laughs> Jones, it has been absolutely amazing to have you on the We Are VIP podcast. I just have one last thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. Oh, thank you, Casey. My day is now complete. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.